Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish podcast for independent minds. Hey, gang, I know we all look forward to Mark Halpern being here in the second hour every Wednesday. Today, no exception. I just want to say at the outset that I also have my eye on breaking news because the Supreme Court is apparently about to release its decision relative to Colorado and Trump's eligibility. I'd be floored if they were to do anything to jeopardize his ballot position in Colorado or in Maine by extension. But of course, we'll bring it to you when we have news in that regard. I'm more concerned, more interested, I should say, in what the Supreme Court will say, if anything, about the January 6th case pending in front of Judge Chutkin specifically. This is the immunity defense that he's asserting. And specifically, what I want to know is, will those proceedings be stayed? Are they going to take the case? How are they going to handle the case procedurally? Because therein will lie the answer as to whether there's any prospect of Trump being tried for the January 6th case before the election. And with that, I welcome my friend Mark Halpern. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Can we start there, as a matter of fact? I mean, I I, I don't expect that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to toss Trump from the Colorado ballot, but I continue to be interested in what case is going to get to trial first and what might be the political ramifications as things stand now. It's next month. It's New York. It's Alvin Bragg. It's Stormy Daniels. Well, you and I talk about this stuff a lot because you're right. It's key. And a focus group I did last night with Democrats, a lot of them said they were basically counting on the Trump legal situation, a conviction to turn the tide in favor of Joe Biden. So there are a lot of Americans who are paying close attention to this. And there's a, a court TV element to it that you just can't get around. The, the, the live wall-to-wall live coverage of the Fannie Willis hearing uh, last week uh, is testament to at least what news executives think the appetite is for this. I never predict judges. I never predict uh, trial judges, appellate judges. I never predict juries because it's a fool's errand. But clearly you're right based on the questioning and, and people's sense of the, where the justices are that that they're they're not going to kick them off the ballot. They're going to overturn the, the Colorado Supreme Court case. The convention wisdom, I think, in the main is also that the court is trying to set itself up to basically give Trump the victory on the ballot case, but give him a loss eventually on the D.C., uh, on the case, question of immunity, presidential immunity in the D.C. case. The Brad case is supposed to go first now, and certainly it's the most queued up. There's a trial date. There are no more appellate issues that anyone knows about, at least that I know of. They could delay it. At the same time, let's see. And then, of course, there's the question for all these trials. When do they start? 
do they go to the jury? Does the jury convict, hung jury or acquittal? And what's the impact of that outcome? And I think there's a there's an important thing that I don't think you and I've discussed unless we discussed it last week. I didn't know it hadn't focused on it. Most legal observers don't think he would be sentenced to prison, even with a conviction in the New York case. So he'd be a convicted felon. But it's a pretty big difference whether he's got to be imprisoned or work something at home confinement or whatever the Secret Service would allow. And although people think he'd be convicted in New York, like I said, I just never predicted. So that case could end in a conviction and still work to Trump's benefit. Not predicting that it would, but it could. As I've said every time I'm asked about these things, it will depend on the perception of the voters of, of whether the trial was fair, whether the verdict was reached in a, in a fair way, whether whether what Trump was convicted of, if he is convicted, seems like something that would cause voter, at least some voters, to say that's disqualifying. That could happen, too. But it's also possible that that he would be acquitted, which I think would be a disaster for those who wanted Donald Trump to lose. A hung jury, probably not great for those who want Trump to lose. A conviction, almost certainly net bad for Trump, but not necessarily. So what is Nikki Haley seeing in all of this such that yesterday she stood up and said, I'm hanging in? you know, even if I get drubbed in South Carolina. Right. So let me give you four strands that I've heard from people who know her. I've not talked directly to her and I've not talked to anybody who claims to be speaking for her on this, but I'll give you the four strands that I see some combination of these. Number one, personal ambition. As uh, Mike Huckabee has said, the, the second hardest thing in politics is deciding to run for president. The hardest is to decide to get out of the race and she still has money in the bank. So, so she's not under the normal pressure. So number one is just, the personal ambition of she can keep going, so why not? Number two, if she sticks around and has the second most delegates after Donald Trump and he's convicted in, in a way that makes going forward impossible, she would have a claim on the 2024 nomination. Now, those in Trump world and, and a lot of independent analysts and some Republicans say she's the last person that the RNC would turn to in an extra extraordinary uh, you know, decision of who to give, basically give the nomination to. But I think it's not impossible that that she could be the 2024 nomination if he had legal or medical problems. Number three, I think one thing she's doing now that I think is not getting enough attention is she's spending a lot of time with the biggest non-Trump donors in the country, spending a lot of her time traveling around to big cities, meeting with big donors. And if she locks those people up, if they become not just anti-Trump people, but Haley people, because she charms them in the room and they appreciate what she's doing and they like her policy positions. She could go into 2028 as the best funded candidate in a post-Trump Republican Party. That's a big deal. And then and then finally, I'd say, uh, you know, there's a there's a there's a reason to just uh, keep on going to see. Never know something you never know. Some combination of those things are, I think, what's going on. Mark, the focus group that you did last night, I have your audio. I have it broken up into five different clips. Uh, set the stage, and then I'm going to play one or two and, and have you tell us more. Who are these people? What were yeah. you doing? Yeah, so uh, I love focus groups. They're qualitative uh, data research. They're not quantitative. They're not a poll. But I've all, every cycle I've ever covered that I've done focus groups, I pick up stuff, a, a fingertip feel kind of of the voices of voters, if they're well-booked, that that tells you something you didn't otherwise know. And this was a very nuanced session. Eight folks, some independents, some Democrats, all of whom voted for Joe Biden in 2016, uh, 2020, all of whom assume they're going to vote for him this time if he's on the ballot and Donald Trump's on the ballot. None of them want Donald Trump to be president. And so what we were, what, the reason I wanted to convene this group is since the Her report, 
since Joe Biden's been behind in the polls for several weeks now consistently, since questions about whether, you know, he should step down, including some prominent liberals, uh, writers saying he should consider stepping down. I wanted to hear what these folks said. In other words, were they sticking by him? Were they from the from the, you know, more of the White House camp and, and what most elected Democrats say? Maybe he's lost the step, but he's still the best bet to win. He's been a great president. He can beat Donald Trump. Or were they more from, you know, the school of thought that, again, a lot of prominent Democratic thinkers have, which is he really should step aside and, and just let the Democratic Party find somebody else. And in the main, they were in they were in the first group, not not exclusively, but but they were they were very much recognizing his frailties, his problems, but but confident that in the end he would be able to win this election and, and mostly, mostly thought he, he would stick he would stick stick at it and should stick at it this is the smirconish podcast from sirius xm hey the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new suv like an adventure ready rav4 Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. So I've got a 50-second clip. This is Mark Halpern asking, in general, how is Biden doing? Here's the response. I don't think he's doing well. I think, though, I'm what you're hearing is you're hearing the people closest to him, the people that's, that work with him, they all keep talking about how how well, how lucid he is and how he's so sharp and how he's on it. But we're not seeing that. That's what we need to see. It's up to them to prove to us that everything's okay. I agree. Even if he's slow or uh, not as articulate as he was, I think he's still able to make great decisions. He's got surrounding himself with wonderful advisors. And I have every faith. I think his mental acuity is fine. I think it has more to do with his physical appearance. And I think when you listen to him, the cadence of his words is slowed down. But a lot of that is natural aging. aging. He's 81. Mark, back in real time, the woman who says that she thinks he's lucid or the people around him proclaim him to be lucid, but they're not seeing it. Reminds of today's poll question at Smirconish.com, where I'm, I'm tapping into Nate Silver saying it's put up time for the White House. He yep. ought to do lengthy sit down interviews with non-friendly sources. Your thoughts? Yep. Well, this is something discussed quite a bit uh, amongst the group last night. And, and they generally agreed with that with that um, that as reclined view, which is put up or shut up. If, 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 if you're able to demonstrate the American people that you're up to the job for four more years after this term, go out and do stuff. Um, one of them suggested he do an interview with me. I didn't object to that. But um, but it's 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 an interesting dilemma because, Michael, this is kind of, you know, 
three-dimensional chess discussion that you, you, you foster, why aren't, why isn't he doing that? Right. The question naturally arises, you know, and the answer is the white house obviously doesn't think that's to his benefit. And so if you go back and forth across the sort of the chess, the verbal chess match, okay. People are saying, Mr. President, go out and do more. And the White House is saying, no, he's not. And so the original people say, well, why not? And they say, then the question is, well, if he can't do it, what's the what's the chances that the American people are going to say it's it's fine? You know, it's fine. He doesn't do press conferences or interviews and skip the Super Bowl interview. They seem the group as a whole seem pretty taken aback by his declining to do the Super Bowl interview. And I think even even these folks. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I'm putting the cart before the horse, but why not? Uh, fast forward to the fall, if it's Trump, do they debate? My, my, I think it's an unpredictable uh, situation. I think that that Biden will try to use the debate about debate uh, and the terms of the debates to force Trump to object. And Trump has a history, and in some cases a justified history, of being peeved at the Commission on Presidential Debates. And Biden's team will do their best to make it make it zero debates or one debate with um, with at their fingerprints on it. In other words, they'll use the debate about the debate to kill the thing. And hopefully with Trump's fingerprints on it, because, you know, Trump will object to a selection of a moderator or a format or whatever it is. And uh, that'd be my prediction. I, I think I think it will be lucky to get one debate at this point. Today in the wide world of news, Ron Klain is back with another fake memo to the president saying you aren't winning yet, but things are looking up. Putin, Comer, Johnson, the Obamas and Trump are all on the run. Do you believe things are all looking up for Joe Biden very recently? I think he's had a a, a week with some problems, but more political good news than bad news compared to the, 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 the run which put him in this hole that he's in now. There's still a lot of challenges, and the polling data has not shifted. There's two polls in, in the wide world of news today uh, that I think are deeply uh, have to be deeply concerning for the president and his team. But yes, I think on on immigration and Ukraine, uh, they're they're in a better political position, not a substantive position, which matters to the country and to the president. But politically, they're in a better position there than they've been. And I think they they've weathered the her storm for now. Her gets another bite at the apple when he testifies before Congress, but. The two um, uh, dangers in the her report, the question of whether he improperly handled classified material and the question of his of his of his uh, um, cognitive abilities. They're not they're not those two things are not great for him right now. And they'll, they'll both come back in one way or the other when her testifies. But I think I think they survived those. And I think they demonstrated to their team, which is why the morale, despite being behind, is, is somewhat high in Biden world now. They demonstrated that as a team, they could rally their forces to push back on stories where the media wasn't with them and fight them to a draw or better. And that is, you know, that is the kind of, you know, in the trenches, um, uh, uh, one for all off or one will all hang together. We almost all hang together. We'll all hang separately uh, kind of experience that they really need right now as they head into the general election with a lot of tough days coming for them. You make reference today. You include results from the Monmouth poll. In the fake Ron Klain memo, it says there were two more national polls yesterday showing you behind Trump. 
That is concerning, but not as bad as this. Arguably the most discouraging polling result in the entire campaign so far from Monmouth. Uh, this dovetails nicely, Mark, on a conversation we were having in the first hour of the program where callers were wondering why Biden doesn't get more credit for the economy, the good things about the economy. And then other callers, of course, called and said he doesn't deserve any credit. The economy is poor. Um, in this Monmouth data, it says that half give Biden credit for the economy, but few see direct benefits. I, I've said for a while that these questions about how people see Joe Biden on the economy is the real number set of numbers he needs to fix. I think he can win with a low approval rating. I think he can win with the wrong track number, very, very bad for the country. The numbers that I think he can't win with on all likelihood is is what people aren't giving him credit for the economy. And 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 I've come to believe, as others have said, that that isn't so much about how people are feeling about the economy. It isn't so much about um, what they think the economy will be like under four years of Biden going forward. It's that they think he's not up to the job and they worry about the economy and they want a president who they think can deal with it. So this poll asked people uh, which groups have benefited from Joe Biden's policies, middle class, poor and wealthy, which have benefited. Sixteen percent say the middle class has benefited a lot from Joe Biden's policy. Twenty one percent say the poor have benefited a lot. The wealthy. 41 percent is the most unbiden result in terms of his conception of himself and his policies. I can imagine that more than double of, of people, more than double people think of the wealthy have been helped than the middle class. That is that is, I'm sure, a source of great frustration to the White House and the president. And I think, as I said, they, they have to turn that perception around. They would argue that 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 his entire agenda from COVID forward has been based on helping the middle class and the poor, not helping the wealthy who have, who have done quite well in this country. And yet the poll number says what it says. And I think that's, that's why I say, I, I literally think there's not a single poll number I've seen that it's got to be more discouraging to the president and something that I think he's going to have to continue to hammer on to try to turn it around. I think you've explained it well, but I want to underscore something. This is this is not asking the wealthy, how have you done under Biden or the poor or the middle class, but rather asking everybody, how well do you think each of these groups has done? And your point is that the perception is that the wealthy, by a two to one number, are perceived as doing better under Biden than the poor. Correct. And I think if you looked at the crosstabs, it's probably not the wealthy necessarily who are saying they benefited from Biden's policies. I'm sure some do, but you've certainly got some people in the middle class and the poor saying the wealthy have benefited more than they have from Biden's policies. And again, Biden's policies, at least as they were designed and intended, were meant to do just the opposite. And so if these these numbers rhyme with the polls you and I have talked about, where people are asked who, who whose economic policies were better for you and your family, Trump's or Biden's. And again, Trump is ahead on that comparison in the polls I've seen by a pretty substantial margin. And I think, again, great frustration for Joe Biden and, and a great challenge for him to turn that around. There's time to do it. And, 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 and the, you know, many, many signs of positive developments uh, for all economic groups in the economy give him something to point to. But I continue to be suspicious that the reason he's challenged there is not the policies themselves, it's, and then and not the communications job, which is what people always point to. If they're if they're not if they're not happy with the other answers, this this notion that that he, people just see him as as not up to the job in general because of his of his mental condition. 
Okay, and that sets up well the parlor game that I enjoy playing, much to the uh, disappointment of my listening audience sometimes. Uh, Dan, this is going to be cut three from Mark last night. You asked your focus group last night, if not Biden, then who? This is a minute-long clip. Who would you pick as the strongest person to beat Donald Trump? Not as the best president, but the person who you'd have the greatest confidence could beat Donald Trump. Andy Bashir. Ashley? Uh, Gavin Newsom. Judy? No, I totally don't don't believe in Gavin Newsom. I would do Pritzker or Bashir. Yeah. Tracy? Michelle Obama. <laughs> I know you said that. I know you said that for a purpose. I, I would say Newsom or I'm, I'm excited for Shapiro down the road at some point. Oh, Shapiro, this is yeah. 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 Josh Shapiro. Yeah. Okay. Lori? Gretchen, Gretchen, Whitmer Gretchen Whitmer or yeah. Amy Klobuchar. Gretchen Whitmer. Okay. Whitmer could beat yeah. his ass. Uh, Harvey. <laughs> well, well, my sorry. choice is my choice has always been Admiral McRaven. Oh, oh. But uh, <laughs> but I, I don't I don't know that he has a chance to. I I think Josh Shapiro. I would say after that. He's too McRaven, young. McRaven, okay. McRaven, Klobuchar, Whitmer, Shapiro, Michelle Obama, Pritzker, Newsom, Bashir. Uh, by the way, I um, <laughs> I don't know if I should tell the story. I'll tell part of the story. I appreciated that when I referenced Cindy uh, Adams from the New York Post on my CNN program, she dropped my name in her New York Post column. I thought it was the proper thing to do, Mark, to, to email or leave her a voicemail and say, hey, thank you for that. And I got back a, a very um, interesting, I'll say old school response that I appreciated. Anyway, Michelle Obama made the cut for uh, your group last night. Talk to me about the responses you just heard. Well, first of all, as as I told you, I consider you and Cindy Adams to be like a modern day Tracy and Hepburn. So nice to see your (laughs) crackling, your crackling dialogue going back and forth. Um, Look, uh, no one said Kamala Harris. And, and in the focus group, we talked about their concerns that some of them have about her as a general election candidate. I know that in the Biden world, there's concern about her as a general election candidate. And that is part of the reason, not the whole reason, but part of the reason why Joe Biden dismisses out of hand the notion that he should step down, thinking that she would become the nominee. Right. There's two separate questions. If Biden didn't run, would she be the nominee? And two, if she were the nominee, what kind of candidate she would be? The group last night had reservations about both of those. Um, as you know, I think Josh Shapiro, although he is young and, and not known at all, I could walk down Main Street in almost any city in America, including some in Pennsylvania, and not be recognized. I believe he's he, he's arguably the strongest candidate, and I believe the party may well coalesce around him if if that if that's needed. Uh, and I was interested to see. Now, a couple of people in the focus group were from Pennsylvania, so it's a little bit of a home game for him. But interesting that there was a variety of answers. Interesting that 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 um, there's no settled answer. I, I believe that a lot of those people are great and could someday run successfully for president. But but again, Joe Biden looks at that list and sees a bunch of mirages. He's a bunch of people who might look good on paper and 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 might uh, seem like they could mount a stronger presidential campaign against Donald Trump than he does. But he doesn't see it that way. And and, and I, I think it's 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 the strongest argument he has. Had he chosen not to run maybe two years ago, there would have been time for some of these folks to get better known, to build and build a, the muscles needed to run for president. But it's a it's 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 a it's a group of people, most of whom I know and like and respect. I don't think they're as strong as the Democrats who say, oh, we've got this incredible bench. Just get one of them off the bench, send Joe Biden to the showers and, and we'll definitely win. I, I think that is misreading how complicated and difficult it is to launch a presidential campaign from a standing start. 
by someone who in the case of, of, of just Amy Klobuchar, I believe, of everyone they named, people have never run before for president. Mark, what Amy's, do you want to leave us with? Final thought? Um, I, I, I continue to believe that Joe Biden uh, concerns about his age, which polls show are, are much broader than the focus group suggested. And his being behind in the polls is a one-two punch that is hurting him in a lot of ways. It's not hurting him in fundraising, it appears, because he's doing quite well there. But 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 I'm looking to see whether the events of the next few weeks, a lot of debates with high stakes in Congress, his State of the Union address, his, his move towards being more aggressive, going after Donald Trump and some legal maneuvers in the Trump situation. I'm looking to see if that combination, if that cocktail of events leads him to be able to go back ahead in the polls, which I think would be an extreme sigh of relief for a lot of America to, to not have him running from behind as we head towards the conventions. Mark, that was excellent. I'm appreciative. Thank you so much. Every Wednesday in the second hour of the Michael, program, The Wide you. World of News. Great to talk thank to Thank you, you, Mark. Take care. Talk to you soon. Uh, gang, I ran a bit long with Mark. I'm not apologetic. I loved everything that he had to say. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Hey, TC, I couldn't, I couldn't chat with you when I was chatting with Mark. Um, any right. news? Any court news? What can you tell me? Nothing that you're going to want to hear about. It was so it was there was big buzz that these big cases were going to be dis, uh, brought down. The opinions were going to be announced and they were not to much to everyone's disappointment. There were indeed two court issued opinions from the Supreme Court, one on uh, Mick Elrith versus Georgia, which is about um, a malice murder and insanity and double jeopardy case. And one on Great Lakes Insurance versus Raiders Retreat Reality. It's a unanimous, unanimous opinion on maritime contracts. So not from Colorado and not on immunity, but that's what we got from the Supreme Court today. Okay, I mean, MSNBC must have gotten ahead of their skis. It happens because their Chiron actually said that they, you know, breaking news, the Colorado decision is coming. No, Nope. Okay, not coming. All right. False alarm. False alarm. There you go. Uh, John, Boston, Massachusetts. Greetings. What did you most want to say after listening to my conversation with Mark Halpern? Well, it was uh, very interesting, Michael. Um, And in terms, I think Biden should do the interviews. But as a plaintiff's lawyer, you know what a day in the life video is. Sure. Yeah. And and to show his vim and vigor. Follow him around for a day in the Oval Office or wherever and and show that he's being president. I think that would be very compelling. I mean, if the if the facts are there, 
I agree with you. I, yes, I do know a little thing or two about putting together or having those videos produced. And, and, and if it would tell the story he wants, then I think it would be worthwhile. I think it would be worthwhile. Uh, Rick, greetings to you in Dayton, Ohio. What did you most want to say? Yeah. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, the rich and powerful always have ways of becoming more wealthy. That regardless of the policies of the president, uh, certainly certain things that Biden has passed having to do with the middle class and the poor are good moves. But when you pass things like the CHIPS Act and the infrastructure bill, a lot of that money goes directly into the pockets of the CEOs and the people in charge of those companies that have to put together those projects. How would you answer the question? First of all, I'm going to ask you, pick one of these groups, middle class, poor or wealthy. Your choice, which one? The wealthy in spite of the... No, 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 I just, it's like wealthy for $20, Alex. Okay, here we go. Relative to the wealthy, how much has that group benefited from Joe Biden's policies? A lot, a little or not at all? A lot. A lot. Okay, let's let's continue. How about the poor? How much have the poor benefited from Joe Biden's policies? A lot, a little, or not at all? A little. A little. Uh, and relative to the middle class, a lot, a little, or not at all? A little more than a little. A little more than a little. Is that a lot? I'm not sure. No, there's got to be there's got to be a, a something a in between. Ground. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate you playing along. Uh, Long Island, New York is where Brian is standing by. Brian, what what is it you wanted a piece of? I I think that in this case, you're missing the the point. In in most elections, as they say, it's the economy stupid. And that's sort of what your question is um, talking about. Really, where is the economy helped most? But I don't think people in this election, I think most people are feeling relatively positive as a whole across the four years of the of the term of the president. But I think it's much more now the issues that are concerning to people are the social issues, not so much the economy, um, such as abortion, crime, immigration. I think those are now have pushed the economy sort of into the recesses of people's minds and because those things are not the economy, you know, prices have gone up, but prices have come down. And that and that it's not if if you are if okay if you are saying if you are saying it's not necessarily the economy stupid to quote the old phrase. I'm agreeing with you. Normally, normally the economy trumps pun intended everything. This time, and you you hit them, and Brian, you hit them all. It's the big four. It's the border, it's crime, it's the economy, it's abortion. And then, you know, the intangible out there, all things Trump. So I'm putting under the Trump intangible, the democracy concerns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, one part, the election is going to be a referendum on him, and for many people, none of the rest of it is going to matter. But on the economies, on the on the issues, I'm not giving the edge to the economy at this minute in time, at this moment. I'd say it's the border. 
Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.